Hello, everybody. Welcome to Health Chatter. Today's show is on, you ready for this? Research, the good, the bad, and how it's used as it relates to health. Should be interesting topic. Clarence and I will dig into this for sure. We've got a, a great background staff that helps us with a lot of different aspects of our show. And that includes Maddie Levine-Wolf, Aaron Collins, Deandra Howard, Sheridan Nygaard, Aaron, and um, all of these, all these people are great researchers and thinkers. Did you mention um, DeAndre? DeAndre? Did I mention DeAndre? DeAndre Howard, Aaron Collins. <laughs> okay, 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 everybody. Maybe, maybe I didn't hear, but okay, good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and then, of course, Matthew Campbell is our, our production manager. Make sure all the logistics are taken care of to get these shows out to you, the listening public. But then um, most important for me is my dear colleague, uh, Clarence Jones. It's, um, it continues to be a, uh, a wonderful wonderful opportunity to uh to work with you and chat with you and keep connected on all these different health related issues and personally too it's been it's been fun so thank you and then also finally our sponsor human partnership great community organization recommend all our listeners take a take a look at their at their website wonderful wonderful group of of people and and professionals that help us with this source too. Thanks to everybody. So let's get on with it. Today, research, the good, the bad, and how it's used. Wow, this, is, this could be a real heavy subject, but um, for our listeners, one of the things that, that brought this to light, certainly for me, was um, a few years back, I attended a heart association meeting in, uh, in Chicago. And um, many, many people um, attend this thing. It was at the McCormick Place in, in Chicago. And um, a lot of research is presented, whether it's formally with presentations or on poster sessions, et cetera. But I mean a lot. And it dawned on me, it's just like, you know, as I was looking at this and listening to all these pieces, what percentage of this research that that's done is put to use. Um, and I, I met with a colleague of mine there and he said, we're lucky. And, and this is just cardiovascular. So you can imagine we add everything else. Um, he said, we're lucky if anywhere from, you know, two to 5% is actually implemented in some way to make a difference in the delivery of health around uh, cardiovascular disease. And so you, then you wonder, wow, 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 all this research, good, bad, or indifferent. Thoughts on that one, Clarence? What do you think? You know, Sam, I think that that's a great way to start the program off because as I was thinking about this is that research is not always considered a good word everywhere. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's how people perceive it. Uh, for example, uh, you know, in certain certain communities, you talk about research, and people get really, really 
you know, really tense about it because of just what you just said is that this all this information is being gathered, but how, how much is it being disseminated back? Or people will say real research. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't see any any application to that. But 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 curiosity is one of the major things about us as human beings. We're very very curious about everything, and people don't don't realize uh, that we do research all the time. I mean, when we uh, look at people, uh, you know, you're researching, you're you're evaluating, you know, you you you're taking a look at, uh, you're observing that person, you know, those kinds of things, and so. Uh, while research, the word research itself uh, may in some cases be something that is uh, uh, tense for people, it's something that we do anyway. I mean, you know, uh, we evaluate. I mean, you know, you take, you know, you go to the doctor, the doctor is uh, evaluating you. You go to your mechanic, yeah. they're evaluating you. You know, everything is being evaluated, but it depends on how you approach the topic, which I think is re really, really good in terms of of, of looking at our perception about what research is and then how, as you just said, now that it's collected, how is it disseminated and how is it utilized? So, yeah. So yeah. that's how I, how I wanted to start off, you yeah. know, adding to you what you said. You know, for, for some, and, and kind of piggybacking what you're saying, Clarence, it's um, some, of, some people seem to believe that research is, mere, is merely grounded as an academic exercise. Correct. Okay. And, um, and that to a certain extent gives it, can give it a, um, a negative connotation. All right. In other words, are you just doing research for research sake so that mm -hmm. you can get uh, tenure at, at, at a university mm -hmm. or you are, uh, you know, it's an opportunity to just get your publications out there. But um, the bottom line is um, curiosity is really what drives it. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's let's really dig into this. Um, Maddie really came up with some really great information around research, and one of them is um, why is research so important? And I thought that that this thing was really worth reading. To, to everybody. Research is essential in advancing society, strengthening the economy, driving innovation, and addressing the vexing and challenging problems we face as a people, place, and planet. It's through research, scholarship, and discovery that we learn about our history and ourselves, understand the present context in which we live and plan for a secure future. Uh, Rosowski, that was 2022. That will be on our website. You guys can, can check it out afterwards as some of our research. That really, that really encapsulates a lot. What, what do you think? Yeah, I do too. And I think that, that looking at it from that perspective, uh, it's more inclusive, it's more global. I think many times when people look at research, they look at it very, very sterile. It is very, as you just said, it's very academic. It's not something that that people can people can be acted on, not with. And so it's important to take a look at at research, helping people to understand what it what it really is, but also in some cases humanizing it, because uh, people don't if people don't see themselves in part of the picture, why would they take why would they take a part of it? 
And so for us to understand that it, it's important, I think that was the, uh, I think what Maddie said in his quote, or what this quote said, it's essential. It's something that we have to have. And so people need to understand where do they fit into this, into this conversation? And how does it, how does it, how does it, how do you utilize it to help yourself and to strengthen yourself and your, your family and your community and your, and your world? Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, um, given that we've all, maybe I can say this in the past, lived through the intensity of COVID, even though COVID is still with us. But you know, what was really interesting, and I certainly was made aware of it is um, the immediacy of the need for research mm -hmm. in order to address a particular health problem. It's like all of a sudden the public was saying, okay, researchers go to it. Let's nail this thing quickly and efficiently and effectively. And based on that, if we didn't have methods, research methods, solid research methods in place. And, um, and somehow or other, we have records of how they were done and done properly, we would be worse off. Okay, so there is immediacy of research and non, if you will, immediacy of research. Research that just goes on without many of us knowing about it, but yet it still provides information in a body of literature that we can always attend to if needed. You know, Stan, I think that's a, I think that's a perfect point because if you remember when COVID hit, a lot of people were like, oh, heck no, this hasn't been researched enough. Correct. You know? And so people were really like, no, 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 we can't do this. I mean, this is something that's new. And they had no idea that research has been had been going on long before that. Now I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. I think they went talking about some MRA something. I I don't know, uh, but it had been going on for decades, I guess. And so when when this particular incident came up around around health, because people did not understand the the way research worked, they thought that they had to go and use another twenty years in order to bring something up so that we could address COVID. So I think part of part of the importance of this kind of conversation. And because I come from a community perspective, you know, we talked about that. I come from a community perspective. I think it's important for people to really have words to um, to be able to express how they, how they hear things and how they feel things. I think the other part too, that's important for me in terms of this conversation is to be able to translate uh, the clinical to the community back and forth. I always talk about the translation because we are many times saying the same thing, we're just using different words. And when people don't understand what the different words mean, there's always that, that, that area for misunderstanding and for confusion and for conflict when we're both, when we're both saying the same thing. So yeah. uh, so that's my, that was my point for you. Yeah, so Clint, you know, you bring yeah. up a good point here. It's, you know, um, researchers, like many professions, have their own lingo. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to a certain extent, you know, we might label it as kind of academic. You know, there are other aspects to research as well. But that does not necessarily mean that the public 
understands mm -hmm. like how the research was was done that has implications for me and if it does have implications for me how do you translate that into non-research ease mm -hmm. that i can understand so mm -hmm. that get, that really gets into and i think this is important for the for the, um our audience to understand too is the different types of research okay um for those that have been involved in research and i can say that for myself as well we understand this but not everybody does so there's all these different types there's quantitative research namely how do we measure and gather data on a particular question that that we have there's qualitative research which is non-numerical, but it looks at the quality of issues. And frankly, that can come in a variety of different ways. It's not necessarily data-driven, mm -hmm. but it can be conversation-driven. Mm -hmm. um, there's empirical, which derives from experience. There's descriptive, applied, and fundamental. All these different types of research. The, the two that really hit the mark for most, and certainly um, in the healthcare field, would be the quantitative and um, and qualitative. I think so, I, and, and Sam, I agree with you. And I think that part of what happens many, many times in um, in dealing with people that are not necessarily familiar with research, they always think about the the empirical. Uh, my experiences, you know, what I heard other people say. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how they do their research. But that, re that research is, is, is generally generally biased uh, because, it, you know, we talk about it. This is about my experience. It doesn't it doesn't take yeah. into personal uh, reflection, reflection. And, yeah. and so I think when when uh, researchers are uh, talking with uh, with uh, with people who are who they're researching with, they need to understand how do people view that? And then how do you how do you make the connection to show them that what they're experiencing or what they have learned is important, but there's also another portion of it. And when you don't listen to how people feel about it, then it's very hard to talk about the numbers and talk about the you know the quality because they don't see themselves as part of the solution. Yeah, you know. And so research to me is something that. We know it's essential, it's vital, it's important. We're doing it all the time anyway, but you have to keep, we have to keep hammering this point is that you have to show people how they fit into the equation. Otherwise you'll always find resistance. Yeah, and not everybody fits into all the research. Okay, right. so, so for instance, let's just take one, you know, research that's done for instance on, on diabetes. Okay, mm -hmm. it's not going to hit somebody or it's not going to really become important to somebody unless they're diagnosed. Mm -hmm. Okay, or it's a it's a family oriented issue. And then all of a sudden, the background research and information becomes important. That body of of literature becomes important for that person at that particular point in time now let me, well, let, me, I, let, me, let, me let me let me let me let me explain yeah. it though but 
but it's not important for people that, but people also have to understand the signs of it, which is which is the other part about the the research is that you know your body is all is doing all these different kinds of things. Uh, uh, what is it? What what are these signs of? You know, a lot of times people wait until they get to the uh, to the doctor, but there are there are signs that are given prior to that. Research has shown that if you if you exhibit this kind of behavior, this kind of behavior, this kind of behavior, then it might be that you have this kind of particular disease. And I think that part of what we're trying to do in research is to make sure that the information is appropriate and people can see that uh, they can they can see certain kinds of signs and then they can take they can take proactive uh, uh, action versus wait until they have full blown diabetes, type two by diabetes, those kinds of things. So I think Absolutely. that that's the other part about the research is that we have to you know acknowledge the fact that research is good in terms of showing signs. So um, two things I want to bring up, and um, I certainly underscored that when, when, when I was practicing in the public health arena, is that good research mm-hmm. is driven by a good question. Okay, it's not the other way around. Namely this, um, there are many, many times that that I was, I was asked, well, where's the data? Where's the data? And so we can collect just a lot of data, but the data is meaningless unless it, it, answer, it helps us to answer a particular question, okay? Mm-hmm. And otherwise, you know, it's, you know, it sits. And, um, and then oftentimes the data that we do have or we have collected for whatever reason, um, is not connected to the questions that that we have, and that's what can waste a lot of time and effort. And that's probably that other ninety eight percent of the work that doesn't get out. Exactly. You, you know what I mean? Because the, the questions that that you're answering, I mean, you could a- answer ask a research question very scientifically, where you can just you know continuously you know redo the work. But I think that part of what we're trying to do is to find out how does research, how is it, how could it be applied in order for people to make, like I said before, an informed decision. But when it's not, when the, when the questions are not, I shouldn't say it like that, but when the questions are not uh, uh, transferable or translatable, you know, that research gets on the shelf and somebody else goes back and they look at it and then they, they keep, keep going back and forth. But it doesn't get back out to the community, which you know, again, which I said, my, my which is you know that's my focus, uh, and so therefore you have this, you know, you have this distrust of even the research, even though the research is good, it hasn't been translated in a way in which people can can utilize it, and so it's important, I think, in terms of talking about this issue of research. There's a lot of emotions that go into this stuff. I mean, that, that we started off, you know, when I, when we take a look at, at the at the uh, that the wonderful work that that uh, was being done, it's very very wonderful uh, in terms of explaining it from a ten thousand foot level. But you got to get down to that grassroots level, from my perspective, you know, in order to to be able to really really apply this. And so all of these things are how great, but in between those things, we have to be able to to move up from from ground level to ten thousand foot feet back down to, to ground level. Correct. You know, we did a show um, prior to this on um, trust. 
mm-hmm. and, and health. And inherent in our subject today of research is trust. And um, if, I, if I link it to the idea of the immediacy of a situation, mm-hmm. people are just putting trust at the forefront, you know, like at COVID, they put trust at the forefront of it. And, and we're hoping to God that the research and the, and the clinical trials and the methodologies that were done in the research, in this case of developing a vaccine, were based on good, good, solid science that preceded it, but now have implications for quicker fixes. Um, let's talk about um, a little bit about implications going forward. So I can't begin to tell you all the different types of research in different fields that there are. Now we're only talking health, which mm-hmm. is enough in and of, it, of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of money, a lot of money is spent on, on research. Let me give it for instance, you know, like if, you know, when you go to the, to your ophthalmologist and get your eyes checked and you look at the, the very, very sophisticated equipment that they use in order to check your eyes for a variety of different things. It absolutely amazes me the level of sophistication. Now, when you, if you sit back for just a second, what kind of research had to go into the development of, the, of that type of equipment. Just think about that. The trials that they had to do with, with, with people and testing and testing of, of different age groups, um, et cetera. I mean, okay, then, then take it another step further. Um, think of heart transplants or knee transplants. Um, or of just any disease. Think about all the background that has to go into this mm-hmm. in order for us to have some kind of semblance of understanding. It's, it can be quite overwhelming. You know, Sam, I, I agree with you. I, I think that there, there, there are some things, there are some things that, that, as you just talked about, there are some things that require a lot a lot of research. I mean, to yeah. you know, to, to do to do a heart transplant, I, I would not want somebody to have a a ten week core survey and then decide exactly. they want to do that. Yeah. Uh, but one of the one of the the things that that that, that uh, you know we, we talk about too, in terms of this whole process, really is that there are there are various, and we'll talk about the various ways of getting research or various things. One of the, the concerns that I'll, a lot a lot of time happen for me in terms of community is that uh, and we go it kind of gets back to that same thing about the ninety eight percent doesn't get uh, disseminated is that a lot of times with research because researchers don't ask I mean don't don't look at the at the at the at the other researchers work the community keeps being asked the same questions over and over and over again which creates a a barrier. Uh, in terms of their understanding about research, I mean, you you know, I'm I'm a person that 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 uh, I don't mind taking being involved in research, but I just don't like asking the same questions over and over again. I'm just like, did, did you did you look up and find uh, uh, so what else somebody else wrote about this? 
Uh, and so research to me, <clears throat> it's very, very, again, it's just a word, very, very essential, but it also, there has to be some, some better understanding about how to utilize it in terms of, of, of eliciting the kinds of uh, information that we need in order to really make some, some changes. So, so, yeah. I, so I told you, I told you, I'm, I'm coming to it from a much more emotional state. When I yeah. when I saw this, I, I just I just know how when when I'm out talking to to people in the community about research, the the various uh, ways in which they respond to to me that I'm asking that question. You know, uh, it's hard when you know that there is some some good things that could be gleaned from the information. And people are like, no, no, no. And so we have to figure out, I have to figure out, we have to go and look at how do we make the research more applicable to uh, for people to, to be engaged in it. Yeah. And, and who's responsible for that? Is that the actual researchers <laughs> where the researchers could, could basically say, geez, you know, it's just overwhelming enough just to do it. Now, Clarence, you're bringing up the idea of okay, it's one thing to do it, then it's another thing to connect what you're doing yeah. with 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 the public. And you know, researchers might say, "Hey, you know, that's not my problem; that's somebody else's problem." Here, I'll give you the findings, and you guys go figure out how to how to get it out in the community or how to communicate it effectively. And you know, maybe what we're describing here is there's got to be better linkages between the researchers and the communicators and the, the community people that do these initiatives in the communities in order for any of this research to have some viability. And you know, that, 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 that to me is, I think is what really gets down to it. When we start talking about bad research, uh, it, it doesn't have to be that the information is bad, but the way that it's, that it's given out it's or not, give, or, or not utilized yet, not, or not given out. You know, that's bad research when you have to do the same thing over and over again because you don't you don't take into it in, into it uh, into consideration who's going to get that information. You, you know, you, you talked about this thing about uh, a researcher doing the work and just saying that's not my problem, but I think I think it is I think it is a a, a researcher. It should be it should be of concern to a researcher. To be able to uh, uh, to see how this information will be utilized, I always talk about use and utilize. I mean, that's one one of my one of my idiosyncrasies. But how the information is going to be used or utilized, uh, and uh, we have to constantly remind people, our researchers. We have to constantly remind community members. The same thing is that this is vital. This is important, and it's something that we should be looking at. Yeah, you know, it's driven, I, I, I personally think it's, you know, from a research standpoint, it's like um, driven by the question. Mm -hmm. And then what comes from that is, so what, mm -hmm. now what? Mm -hmm. Okay, you've given us this body of, of what you believe, whoever the research is, good information, mm -hmm. good research, now what? Mm -hmm. Okay, how, do, how is it that we put it to use? So let me, let me just circle back briefly to the idea of how much money is spent in the mm -hmm. research arena, which is you know, gazillions of millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe, maybe um, what should be um, central to um, grants that, that come out 
you know, from the National Institutes of Health, for instance, or from National Institute of Drug Abuse, NIDA, or mm -hmm. the Centers for Disease Control, mm -hmm. a component mm -hmm. of the money that's given out should address once you have come up with whatever, mm -hmm. tell us the next steps with it. I agree. I agree. I think Matthew has a question and then Sheridan has a, a follow-up to his too. So Matthew? Yeah, Matthew. Yeah. So I just kind of wanted to follow up on what you're talking about of like, I think one of the reasons why some of this knowledge doesn't always get passed around is because our current system does not incentivize that level of dissemination of knowledge. Uh, you know, researchers are busy folks. Like they, we all have our jobs and we all have our roles. And when universities, I think, are requiring a level of output or requiring it, you know, to receive certain number of grant dollars, or that's the incentive structure that allows you to move higher up or allows you to, um, you know, be a better professor or be a better researcher, not the, not the flow of that knowledge specifically. And so I kind of, you, Stan, you then kind of circled around and touched on that. So I'm kind of glad you did. It's like when you start including those requirements in grant, in grants or in funding or, you know, as a basis for um, just doing research in general, I think that's kind of how we can start to reframe and reshape that. that yeah, it's kind of close the circle somehow. Yeah, it's not yeah. just doing it, it's doing it for a purpose. It's doing it for answering a question and then getting that information out in ways that, and to, you know, Sheridan and you can comment on that people understand it. Um, go ahead, you had, a, you had some issues around um, health literacy. Yeah, and so just kind of piggybacking off of Matthew, obviously, if people can access it, can they even understand a lot of research is at really high level technical language? So if English isn't necessarily your first language or a lot of different factors, um, not everyone has the same reading level. So just making sure that people could even understand the information if they could access it. I'm a full-time researcher and we don't communicate our information about cardiovascular research to the world, the NIH does, because they're our funding partner, but we are responsible for communicating a lot of our research to our participants, and that is a very specific group of people that we've tailored our language to, so I know how to communicate that with them, but I don't think I would be able to communicate with the world in general, it's just really hard to meet all of those literacy requirements. So yeah. it's it's a big topic. Yeah, but, you, but you know what? But this is what I think of shit. I, I agree with you. I think, but the but the point for me is the fact that if you are doing research with a a specific population, you should be able to disseminate information back to them. You know, the problem is that it, it it doesn't. I mean, you know, which gets back to to Matthew proprietary things. You know, it's like, well, this is our information. We're going to keep it. But that's why it stays that 98% in that 90% range. And what, what I'm advocating for is that I think that the work is important, that we should be sharing information, but we have to figure out what are the uh, what are the, the barriers that prevents us. Because as a community member, I want to know, I want to know what the issues are. I mean, I, I mean I understand all the clinical terminologies, but I want to know that if certain kinds of behaviors is uh is uh, in, impacting me. For example, I'm, I'm giving a, a quick example. I know I've used this example before. We're going to be doing a study around uh, uh, 
barbecue and prostate cancer. Okay, that's important because guess what? Uh, I don't understand uh, PHIP, I don't understand none of that stuff, but I, but I do understand that if I eat certain kind of barbecue, cooked a certain kind of way, that it's going to impact me. And so it would be, it'd be very uh, unfortunate if we took that information you know, and it was kept at that at that ten thousand foot level, and not share that information back to the community. And so, I think that there has to be some kind of there has to be some kind of way, whatever paper that we're doing, uh, should be able to be translated at least back to the population of which of which the study was done on. You know, so for our listening audience, most research as it relates to health mm-hmm. is grounded in a concept that's called peer review. Okay, so, you know, research, you know, like, like if I were to do research on whatever, and if I wanted to get it published, it has to be reviewed by peers that can critically assess it, uh, critically evaluate it, et cetera. And virtually every single um, academic research-oriented article that, that's published goes through that process. So I wonder, Clarence, if part of the peer review process should involve community review. Okay, in other words, why should it be just peers, maybe by adding a different or an additional layer to the review process can aid in how it's applied you know i i i I, um okay i think that would be good i don't think i would necessarily make that mandatory yeah well i don't okay yeah yeah i know but 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 certainly consideration or something that's that's i I think that there should be a consideration uh but i but i but i i agree with you it would be great it would be it would be great if that was a part of every of, of every research project, but we know that it's that's literally impossible to do that. So I think that that what would be great would be for the researchers to say, you know, to have some kind of, I don't know, disclaimer, or I don't know, that, that maybe that's not a good word, but have some kind of comment to say that at some point, you know, this would be good to have community input. The so other so, at, least, so is- at least people know, at least people know that they were thinking about it. You know, every, everything you can't always do everything that you want, but I, I do think that it would be great for for researchers to at least be sensitive enough to say, like, you know, at some point maybe communities should be looking at this. So here's a question for you too, um, Clarence. Um, was it easier to um, siphon through all the information? related to any particular disease, let's say, um, before than it is now. Uh, You know, we've got so much information that we are bombarded with Mm -hmm. through a myriad of different ways. Um, And and I just wonder if um, people, the public get overwhelmed with you know, it's one thing, the complexity of the research itself, but it's another, the complexity of how that information is uh, shared with all of us. You know, I think that that for me, you know, it, it's then and now, uh, 
I'm curious about a variety of different health issues. And because I'm curious about a variety of different health issues, I'm reading information, but I'm also looking for some someone else in that who is much more uh, clinical to be able to work with or to talk to, to assist me in terms of, of these developments. So part of what, what I think what you're asking is that, I think when people are curious, they're going to try to find someone who can who can share information with them to help them to tell their stories. Okay, I always stay in my lane. My lane is that I'm not a clinician. I'm I'm a community member. I stay in that lane, but I can also recommend uh, when we have specific issues, like we're talking about diabetes or we're talking about cardiovascular health. I can also recommend people that I believe are are uh, uh, that I believe that can share the information in a way in which the community can be assisted and helped uh, with that particular topic. So yeah, it's easier for me now, but I had to, I had to do my homework too, in order to, to get to that point where I could find people to help me with specific specific topics to share with that community. So when we, when we talk about research, we, we, at least from my perspective, we're trying to connect it with implications. Mm -hmm. What implications does this research have to make things, whatever they are, mm -hmm. better? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how does that change whatever it may be become um, institutionalized? Or how is it that it becomes you know, basically available to everybody. So again, let's take a, you know something that that's recent. How is it that all of a sudden we we have a um, a vaccine that's created to treat COVID? How think about the process? I mean, if if the listening audience really wants to think about something that's positive, think about how quickly, mm -hmm. really, how quickly, almost miraculously, how the research was was done, clinical trials were done, and how it became available. Mm -hmm. Even though there were ups and downs along the way, think about how it became, the, the vaccine became available basically worldwide. And again, we could argue, you know, some areas were more, mm -hmm. some were less, but in general, that this happened, incredibly quickly and that's based on solid research guidelines and intense work by an incredible grouping of professionals and you know, my, my point is how it becomes available whether it's as important as a vaccine for a, an infectious disease or anything like you know how is it that it becomes institutionalized that um, barbers should uh, continue to take or help to take blood pressure for um, their, their people that come in, their clients that come in. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great idea, but you know, what happens when the funding goes? How is it that it, it continues regardless? Yeah, you know what, Sam, in, in response to your question, the, the, the quickness of the, of the vaccine, we also have to recognize that it, it just wasn't discovered here in America. You know, there were, there were people all around the world that had been working on similar things. And so when they when a crisis came up, people were, were able to, uh, uh, to put their ideas together and to come up, work collaboratively 
which is what which is one of the great things about research is that there are a lot of things that are that are going on. Um, and so it's uh it's really, really important. I think that one of the other things is that uh uh you know uh the people component of it, somebody uh, somebody wrote in the uh uh in the chat here that you know people just think that people uh who are researchers just working in labs and working on, on monkeys and mice and you know and uh, other kind of animals, you know, but but it's actually there's a lot of research that's being done to a lot of that's being applied to to us as human beings. And so uh, we have a lot to explain about research. I mean, when we got into, the, into this conversation, I think that I think that the, the uh, there was some wonderful uh, information here talking about different kinds of research, uh, most common kind of research. But uh, what is research? Good, good, good research, bad research, you know, all those kind of things. Research is a really uh, interesting topic to get into. And my concern my thoughts are that it's important, but it's also how do you translate it so that people can really understand and appreciate the 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 valuable uh, information that comes to help us and why we should be participating in research. Absolutely. So, um, you know, before we end this show, um, I think we'd be remiss in not addressing um, the linkage between um, politics, the political arena, and in research. Um, Clarence, what do you think? Do you think that, um, I'll just leave it at that. What do you think? <laughs> you know, Stan, that's like, a, that's, that's, that's like having me, show, a stick, a stick, no, having me a stick of dynamite up in here <laughs> because uh, the reality is, is that uh, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories out here. The government's behind everything. You know what I mean? I mean, everything that's going down, the government, the government's, you know, you know, the government did it. I mean, it was a, the same thing with HIV, the same thing with monkeypox. I mean, it's just, I mean, over and over again, you know, uh, uh, people will use a crisis to advance their own political uh, views and goals. And I think that part of, of, of what, why it's so important to understand what's really going on is so that you don't get caught up in the weeds, you know. And I think that with uh, you know, it, it, like like with, with COVID, I mean, all of a sudden it was like, well, you know, if you're in the red state, you think one thing; if you're in the blue state, you think one thing; if you're in the urban area, you think one thing; if you you know, and yet there was a, you know, everybody was not the same way, but <laughs> there was a a perception. You know, and so based on your political views, sometimes it was like, I will take it or I won't take it. I'm like, that's crazy, but that's also your choice. So I think that part of what, what drives a lot of things, even around health, is, is how people think about it. And that's why it's important for people to, to be able to have information for them to make a, 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 an appropriate, informed decision. And again, whatever decision they make is their decision, yeah. but at least at least for me, at least not think about it just politically, just think about it, you know, holistically and, and how does it going to affect your family? How is it going to affect you? So that's my quick. Yeah. Talk. Yeah. You know, I. And you? you, know, and you. Yeah. All right. So my, my perception of it is this, um, especially when it relates to health. We all literally, I, maybe I'm incorrect in this assumption, but I think I'm pretty 
right on that all of us want to be healthy. Sure. Okay, that's a common torch that we all carry. I think the, um, the ins and outs of it comes from how we go about getting there and what we need in order to get there. And um, much of that is driven by the, uh, the research that, that's done in order to help us to um, maintain our health and to um, make our health more innovative, you know, with more innovative techniques, et cetera. But the commonality, politics aside, is we all want to embrace health. And with that, we're going to health chat, let everybody else health chat away and think about how research is really, really important to us. So thanks to our listening audience. Our next show, our next show will be uh, addressing cannabis. Actually, we're going to be having two shows on cannabis. So everybody stay tuned for that. In the meantime... Health chat away. Hi, everyone. It's Matthew from Behind the Scenes. And I wanted to let everyone know that we have a new website up and running, healthchatterpodcast.com. You can go on there. You can interact with us. You can communicate with us. Send us a message. You can comment on each episode. You can rate us. Uh, and it's just another way for everyone to communicate with uh, Stan and Clarence and all of us at the Health Chatter team. So definitely check it out. Again, that's healthchatterpodcast.com.